Section 2 of A Journey Round My Room by Xavier de Maistre, translated by Henry Atwell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4. Latitude and Topography My room is situated in latitude 48 degrees east, according to the measurements of Father Beccaria. It lies east and west, and, if you keep very close to the wall, forms a parallelogram of 36 steps round. My journey will, however, be longer than this, for I shall traverse my room up and down and across without rule or plan. I shall even zigzag about, following, if needs be, every possible geometrical line. I am no admirer of people who are such masters of their every step and every idea that they can say, Tomorrow I shall make three calls, write four letters, and finish this or that work. So open is my soul to all sorts of ideas, tastes and feelings. So greedily does it absorb whatever comes first that... But why to deny itself the delights that are scattered along life's hard path? So few and far between are they that it would indeed be senseless not to stop, and even turn aside to gather such as are placed within our reach. Of these joys, none, to my thinking, is more attractive than following the course of one's fancies as a hunter follows his game, without pretending to keep any set route. Hence, when I travel in my room, I seldom keep to a straight line. From my table I go towards a picture which is placed in a corner, thence I set out in an oblique direction for the door, and then, although on starting I had intended to return to my table, yet... If I chanced to fall in with my armchair on the way, I at once, and most unceremoniously, take up quarters therein. By the by, what a capital article of furniture an armchair is! And above all, how convenient to a thoughtful man! In long winter evenings it is oft-times sweet, and always prudent, to stretch yourself therein, far from the bustle of crowded assemblies, a good fire, some books and pens, what safeguards these against ennui? And how pleasant, again, to forget books and pens in order to stir the fire, while giving oneself up to some agreeable meditation, or stringing together a few rhymes for the amusement of friends, as the hours glide by and fall into eternity without making their sad passage felt. Chapter 5. The Bed Next my armchair... As we go northwards, my bed comes into sight. It is placed at the end of my room and forms the most agreeable perspective. It is very pleasantly situated, and the earliest rays of sun play upon my curtains. On fine summer days I see them come creeping as the sun rises all along the whitened wall. The elm trees opposite my windows divide them into a thousand patterns as they dance upon my bed, and, reflecting its rose and white colour, shed a charming tint around. I hear the confused twitter of the swallows that have taken possession of my roof, and the warbling of the birds that people the elms. Then do a thousand smiling fancies fill my soul, and in the whole universe no being enjoys an awakening so delightful, so peaceful as mine. I confess that I do indeed revel in these sweet moments, and prolong as far as I can the pleasure it gives me to meditate in the comfortable warmth of my bed. What scene can adapt itself so well to the imagination, and awaken such delicious ideas as the couch on which my fancy floats me into the forgetfulness of self? 
Here it is that the mother, intoxicated with joy at the birth of a son, forgets her pangs. Hither it is that fantastic pleasures, the fruit of fancy or of hope, come to agitate us. In a word, it is here that during one half of a lifetime we forget the annoyances of the other half. But what a host of thoughts! Some agreeable, some sad, throng my brain at once, strange minglings of terrible and delicious pictures. A bed sees us born and sees us die. It is the ever-changing scene upon which the human race play by turns interesting dramas, laughable farces and fearful tragedies. It is a cradle decked with flowers, a throne of love, a sepulchre, End of section 2